a voice of one crying out, Prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Make a straight highway for our God in the desert. Every valley will be lifted up, and every mountain and hill will be leveled. The uneven ground will become smooth, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will appear, and all humanity together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Welcome to School of the Rock, a podcast about faith, culture, and evangelization. We're back. I was sick. I'm healthy-ish. Nick, happy Advent, my man. Happy Advent, Father. How, uh, how is preparing the way of the Lord? Yeah, it's been good. So far, so good. Went to Mass. Um, That's great. That's a great start. Yeah. If, if, to... if, if, if you're checking the Mass box once a month. Definitely checked the Mass box. I'm actually struggling to remember where I went to Mass. Where did you go? You went to Catherine. St. Catherine of Siena. I went across the street from you. From my house. Right. I was napping while you went to Mass. Yeah. That's how that works out. Um, in general, how's uh, this season going? You, it's been a couple weeks. You know, Advent is typically my favorite liturgical season of the of the five. Is it because of your affinity for purple? And I just love a purple. little a little bit of pink? Just a little bit of penance. Yep. Not as much as Lent. Yep. You know, but I, I haven't really got into the spirit of Advent yet, I would say. Yeah. Typically, for Advent, I'll pray just the joyful mysteries of the rosary. Dang. I'll pray the rosary. Yeah. And <clears throat> I usually read a sermon from Cardinal Newman uh, about, like, watching and preparing for the Lord. And I think I've talked about it in Advents before where he likens waiting for God. And he said it's like... It's like you're waiting for a friend to come home and you're wondering how they're doing and you're like anxiously awaiting it. And that's the spirit of us having, you know, an idea of how to prepare ourselves for God's coming. Because I think it is kind of like an interesting thing because like throughout Advent, we're still reading stories of Jesus when he's an adult. Right. He's a grown man with a beard. (laughs) He had a beard. (laughs) And it's not like when... It's not like when Christmas comes, Jesus literally comes again as a baby. And for 2,000 years, he hasn't come again in the first two Sundays of Advent when we prepare for his second coming. And I'm not saying we're preparing our hearts artificially, but I, but, but like images are helpful because a lot of times we don't actually like physically see a tiny baby to prepare for Jesus. And he, hasn't, and he has a whole other Sunday to come for the first two Sundays if he wants to come. Right, and, the end of the and world. end it. Right, we'll just fine. pull the trigger. Yeah, but he uh, hasn't. Yet. He hasn't. Um, you no, know, so just kind of zoom out for a second. So Advent broken up into two sections. The first two weeks is more like preparing for the second coming. Um, the latter two weeks is preparing for baby Jesus and the incarnation. But 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 kind of to get to the point with the artificial preparation, it's kind of odd, right? Like I don't know, a week and a half ago, I was like. Christ is a king eternally here and in heaven. And it's just like, okay. And now we're preparing for the end of the world. And then in a little bit, we're going to be preparing for a baby God. A little and, bit of whiplash. Yeah. And it, it's almost like, whoa, what, what, is the, what is the church's expectation of us in a certain respect? Or, or why has this been provided? I was talking to a priest recently about the liturgical seasons. Like, what is it... Why do we have liturgical seasons? Like, what makes it like an essential activity of the church? Because obviously yeah. we do it, which means there has to be something essential. And I think it's to some regard because uh, it's meeting us right in our humanity. Because I think as a human being, there's that question of what's next? Like, after death, what's next? I think even non Christians ask that question. 
Like, what is after this? And so Advent, in a certain respect, at the beginning of a liturgical year, is saying there is something next. There's something coming, and we have to be ready for that. And so to bring all of our humanity to that sort of hope that there is someone coming who's prepared a place for me. And the same, too, with like the, the latter two weeks, this idea that God is not just some, somebody who's on a mountaintop far from us, but he's perpetually available. Right? Another human question, am I alone? Do I have to do this whole life thing alone? And Advent is saying, no, like the, the, the God-man took on flesh. And so there's that sort of reminder that you know, we're going somewhere, and on the journey we don't have to be by ourselves. I think one of the things, too, that is interesting to me, at least, um, I had an opportunity at one point to, or a couple day, a couple weekends, to do a retreat uh, in Rome where St. Francis made the first nativity. Hmm. And, like, nativities now are, like, you know, fine. You know, you put it outside your yard. But, like, St. Francis was, like, supposed to have made, like, the first nativity there. Like, a, like almost like a live nativity. And it's kind of weird to think about, like, nativities are helpful because they're physical and there's something physical, right? Which is, which is what the incarnation is, like God taking on humanity. And, um, and I think that that's an important thing. Like, St. Francis recognized the human need to actually, like, what does it look like? See it. And it's not just something, like, to tell other people that we're Christians, although that's nice. It's more for us to remind us the reality of what's actually going on and that God didn't come as like, you know, in a movie like a Zeus or something like that and like barrel down from heaven, but like he came he came in a farmland kind of, you know, yeah. kind of reality with like other animals. And I I think that's it's as much for everybody as it is for me just to remember like the real physical realities of what it means to for Jesus to come again. And to accept that simplicity in a certain respect becomes how we understand the vastness. Like like to, to, to take the time to sort of meditate or reflect on or, or you see it in various like Christian shows or movies. But like the nativity, there's something so quiet and almost uncomfortable but uncomfortable about the whole thing. Like Mary's a young girl, Joseph is a road worn carpenter who just wants to keep his family safe. There's no room for them. Like they, they would have in some regard ex- experienced rejection. And, and then in a moment, the world changed. For, for however many thousands of years, just waiting for the Messiah to come. And then in, in that quiet manger rested the, the proof that we were going to be okay. And so if, if we just celebrated Christmas without the Advent season... I think we would miss the vastness of what we're talking about. Because he didn't just become man uh, because he wanted to hang around with humanity. He became man to die. Mm-hmm. Like This season of Advent, this season of preparation, cannot be divorced from the entirety of the Paschal Mystery. And so there's so much riding on the presence of Christ. There's so much riding on the yes of our Blessed Mother. And so in the same way, the church is saying, hey, we're going to begin again. So where, in our experience, maybe you and I and, and those who are, who are joining us, 
is where is Christ going to be made new? Because it, it's kind of the hustle and bustle. Right? Life's the same. Today's the same as three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a heaviness. It's, right. a, it's, a, it's a slog. I'm, I'm pushing through life. I'm doing my job. I, I'm just trying to get through. And yet the church is saying, like, no, there's a newness. There's a freshness. And I don't know. I, I think we need that sort of reset. But it's so hard to grasp when it seems so much of the world doesn't want to slow down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and to your point about slowing down, like I think we say almost like in like a trite way, like Advent is a time for like silence and for preparation. But if I mean, if you really think about it, and sometimes the comparisons between like the royal family in England can be kind of like old that we compare things to, like Jesus is not the royal family. Mm-hmm. But there's a certain way in which the royal family in England is like known they're on tap they're all on british tabloids everywhere you know obviously harry and megan moved to america and they're doing deals with netflix and they're you know their faces are everywhere and there's documentaries about them and like you know when they welcomed children like that's everywhere and like jesus is the opposite of that mm. not because what he says is like it's what they're doing is bad necessarily but like he had he chose to come in obscurity in like in relative quiet in a small town and so i think the silence of advent whatever that looks like for us in our daily lives wherever we look to find silence like that helps us to imitate the reality of christ coming and i think it also helps us recognize the importance of simplicity because christ doesn't demand the pomp and circumstance Mm -hmm. And neither should we. Obviously, I like to be pampered. We all know that. Yeah, you're but, a pampered guy. Yeah, but that's not really. That's not really. That's not the, the Christian way. That's not the call that's been placed on our life. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe if I ask the question, so so Christ comes in this obscurity, in a way that's so different than than maybe any other sort of king, whatever. But w- what do you think that does for humanity? Like, why would he choose this way mm-hmm. rather than in in some way red flag it? Like, hey, pay yeah. attention because in a couple of years I'm going to be healing the blind, you know? And even fast forward in the Gospels, it's like, hey, I'm going to heal you, but don't tell anyone. Like, what what is that? I kind of think, like, it would almost be... I, I, I mean, Jesus' event, like the event of Jesus coming is like the unique event in history of God coming to earth. But it's also a continuation, I think, of like what God was doing in the in the old covenant, right? Where like He is frequently not in every not in every circumstance, but frequently elevating the like outcast or like the the, the Israelites were not the most you know important people in society in their times, right? So like if if God were, if God were to elevate or you know if Jesus were to come in like the most lavish way or the or the loudest way like in a certain sense like that would be um a new thing right for god to Mm. do something like this but god has always decided to choose to side with the lowly to choose to side with the widow to choose to side with the orphan to choose to side with like the the marginalized people in society and so it makes sense in a certain way that he would come in in, in obscurity because that's who that's who God sides with right and and Jesus talks about it like right if you're rich if you're famous if you've if you've accumulated worldly pleasures great you got your thing 
but if you didn't, there's something else for you later. Mm-hmm. And, and Jesus coming, I think, in obscurity is already pointing to the fact of something to come later, as difficult as that is. To yeah, it makes me think of the prophet Isaiah when he talks about the um, the stem that you know pops through the, uh, the the root that comes forth from the, the stump of Jesse, right? So Jesse being the father of David, this root that comes forth, blah blah blah. Basically, it's this idea that like in David's time, his kingship was well known, but by the time of the coming of the Messiah, it was like David who. It was like enough time had passed and he had enough ruined his reputation where it was like there, there's still life in that Davidic line, but there's a, there's almost a, a forgetfulness of that that own glory that David had. It's like, well, we'll go back to Jesse. We'll go back to the beginning of this because it, it to, to point to what, exactly what you're saying, it's like he continued on the trajectory of, of what not only God had been doing, but his family line had done. This idea of like, showing up as the underdog and blowing things out of the water, right? Obviously, David, the smallest of his brothers, and and, and being called to, to take on the Philistine and, and realizing no one expected that. No one no one thought, hey, you know who's going to be amazing someday? David. And, and the same with Christ. It's like, you know who's going to be amazing? That tiny little Bethlehem baby who was in sheep clothes. It's like nobody, nobody would have guessed that mm-hmm. except those who were given the eyes to see. And I think maybe that's our next sort of thought is like even from the very beginning, there were certain people who were chosen uh, to have a witness of um, the power of the Messiah's presence. Right? We think of like the wise men as far as that incarnational reality. But also thinking about the end times right? with this first couple weeks of Advent, certain people were given a glimpse into the fact that there was more coming. I think of like the transfiguration. And the apostles were reminded like, hey, there's, there's like power here. Something's happening. And so imagine many of, of those who are listening, and, and for you and I, we've been given the gift of faith. And so we've been given this opportunity to see that something's happening. So then what's the call to follow that? Um, reflect on the, the gospel that I just mentioned, right? So the, the healing of, I think it's the blind, who, who then are told, don't tell anyone. And immediately they went to go spread the good news. Because when you experience the power of the Messiah, you can't help but spread that truth. And and I think maybe that's that's part of, of what we can pray for in this first couple weeks is there are many people who have never met the Messiah. And so their activity, their actions follow that. And also, there are some of us, myself included, who have met the Messiah and still choose mediocrity some days. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like a, it's a wake-up call season in my brain. Yeah, and it's a season that asks us to like remember the good things that have happened to us and the good things that the Lord has done in our lives. Mm-hmm. And when we remember those good things, we can prepare ourselves and hope for the next things to come. Mm-hmm. In the case of Advent, the good things to come is the second coming of the Lord, but also in the context of Advent too, is like, what does it mean for the Lord to come again? And I also think too that Advent is also, it also kind of shows us the weirdness and obscurity of our religion. And we, and, and it's particularly an American phenomenon because in America, obviously we're increasingly secularized. We are, you know, Christianity is increasingly looked at as strange and weird by the rest of the world. 
But we've also really grown up in a world where people are still familiar with Christianity. Mm-hmm. And so we, we kind of forget what it's like to really be Christian and for that to just be weird and for it to be strange. Obviously, it is still for a lot of people, or it is for a lot of people already. But I think many of us live in a context when a lot of people are either nominally Christian or they know something about Christianity. They but, used to be Christian, you know. Exactly. Yeah. But Advent for his, you know, in a certain way is like, look, you believe in a God that came as a child, and that's strange. Yeah. But it's okay for it to be strange. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I was buying Christmas decorations for the first time on my own. I obviously had a Christmas tree growing up with my family. But the last few years and in college, I just, you know, I just didn't do it. It's like you got here in a dorm. Who cares? Yeah. But I was at the old Hobby Lobby, right? Closed on Sundays. That's that's a great thing. In my Chick-fil-A. Yeah. <laughs> Too soon. Uh, but I'm in the Hobby Lobby, and I'm looking around, right? You got your Grinch stuff. You got your little plaid. You got your sleigh rides. You got your reindeers. But then you have an entire section of, of nativity scenes and beautiful statues, like, not even like phoned in nativity scenes. This yeah. is like nice Christian art that's at this hobby store. Mm-hmm. And you think about that, like in certain countries, like you cannot be honest about your Christian faith. You're still like in hiding. Mm-hmm. And to some regard, it can feel like that as an, as an American sometimes. It's like you're being belittled for being a Christian, which is a whole other podcast. But around Christmas, it's like, no, no, no. Look at this beautiful art. Yeah. There's something to this. Even think of like, our, our dear Protestant brothers and sisters who, who maybe look at our, our use of like statues or imagery, you know, the other 11 months out of the year and, and, and kind of like belittle it or question it and say, well, you know, well, you're venerating this, this, this statue, this art, right. the Blessed Virgin Mary, whatever. But then it's Advent. It's like, no, no, every, everybody has a Mary, Joseph and Jesus statue. Right. And your little camel and sheep. Is, every, yeah. Everybody's got it. And so I, I think maybe to, to kind of circle back to exactly what you're saying, there's something so tangible about that reality. Like, like it happened. Like, on that night when the star rose up in the sky, uh, the, the, the fruit of, of the womb came to be. And I, I just think for many of us, myself included, what I, I feel a sort of need or maybe a call to, to pray as, as a Christian community is that in some way we might be renewed and that childlike hope that in the quiet of the night, even without the pomp and circumstance, God is there. So when you're looking at your own life and in your own private prayer during Advent, to be able to say, where have I um, sort of shunned away the Lord? Or where have I sort of compartmentalized a part of my life to say, well, I don't need Christ here. Or Christ isn't going to come here. Or this is something I have to handle. And the season says, no, it doesn't matter how messy it is. It doesn't matter how small it may seem. That's where the child wants to go. How do you think people, how do you think we can do that practically? Or what are ways do you think we could look at our lives to, yeah, or look at the, look at our lives with the Lord to find those areas where we're struggling? This is going to seem way too simplistic, but it's been incredibly powerful in my ministry. And that's in the middle of a moment of anxiety with somebody, being able to invite the presence of the Lord. It seems so small, but to be able to say to somebody, or even ourselves when we're distraught, to be able to say, Jesus, you're welcome in this place. And they kind of allow that that pregnant pause, no pun intended, um, 
to, to, to allow him to enter into it, even just like verbally. Because I think when we speak, something comes into reality. Um, and the same is true for our relationships with other people. To be able to say in this season, to, to notice the good, to be able to say where in my brothers and sisters, where in my family, where in my friends, where in my coworkers, have I experienced someone who's gone above and beyond in love for me? Mm. And I have a few teachers who are very positive and it's interesting like um like today there was a teacher who I hadn't seen in a few days and she was popping to the office and she was so excited to say hello mm. and that's so small in the grand scheme of things but after a long week it's healing because right there is the presence of Jesus so one to to invite him in prayer and also two to just notice where is the hand of Jesus mm. cuz he's there yeah um and then and maybe finally to then ask the question, and this is maybe a touchy or a difficult question to ask, to say, where am I experiencing the sort of unrest that doesn't look like Jesus has been here yet? Because mm. I think that's a lot of it, is we have parts of our life where we've just been resolved to say, no, this is just, the, this part of my life sucks. This is yeah. this is where I'm going to be in pain. And this is just, this is my personality. This is the way my work is. This is where my boss is. This is where my friends are. This is the way my spouse is. Like, whoa, slow down. You know who's way more powerful than all those things? The living God who became man and lays in a manger, a little baby God, right. can blow all that out of the water. You know? I don't know? It's way better than that. It's way better. It's way better. So so maybe that's our call this, uh, this Advent month, to just say, where is the Lord? Where do we need the Lord? And, um, and then give him permission to move in those places where we don't have a lot of hope. So uh, I think that's a great little... Uh, Advent jump for us. Hopefully, you're more in the spirit. You're feeling very purple candle yeah. now. Purple candle number two. Yeah. Um, but uh, we got to have a little recommendation. You got a recommendation? Well, let's give a pre recommendation. Pre rec. Pre rec. So, tonight we're making pizza. Yeah. And I've only heard good things, but it's, you know, it's later already in the afternoon. Don't really want to make dough. So, we're going to make homemade pizzas because we still want to make something homemade. Obviously. But we don't want to have we're to not, make... We're not trash. No, we're not trash. We're not getting Little Caesars. Which is also good sometimes. We know that you're listening to Little Caesars. We will take coupons. <laughs> so we're going to go try Trader Joe's Pizza Dough. Yeah. So we don't know if we're recommending it, but we're just saying it's a thing we're going to try. Yeah. And so... So maybe cook something as a family during Advent? Cook something as a family. Because your siblings are going to come hang. My some siblings of them. are coming, so it's going to be family dinner. Family dinner. Maybe we'll play some cards. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's something familial. That's even that's Advent. Tie it all back. Something yeah. totally different. Well, it's uh, not totally different. It's not. Oh, it's totally the same. But it's also totally nice. Uh, it's been good, Nick. I'm excited to be back with you. I'm Thanks, excited Father. to celebrate Advent and uh, just know my prayers as we inch closer to uh, the end of the world. I mean, I mean Christmas. <laughs> and then Christmas after the end of the world. Right. Yeah. Right. It's the end of the world as we know it. See you, man. See ya.